0: Hello and welcome to night number 22 of 31 Nights of Frights, Year 4, The Stephen King of Horror. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night 22 brings us to a well-known and favorite Stephen King adaptation. Well, favorite over the course of the almost 40 years since it was released. Starring Keith Gordon, John Stockwell, and Alexandra Paul. This is the 1983 John Carpenter directed Christine. Christine tells the story of Arnie, who is a nerd and gets bullied as well as picked on at school. He sees the car Christine rusting away, proceeds to buy it and fix it up. When Arnie fixes up Christine, he takes on a brand new persona trying to be a badass. In the process of all this, he's simply just a jerk. He becomes obsessed with the new love in his life, Christine, and Christine becomes obsessed with him, even going so far to kill the bullies that picked on Arnie. That's right, this is a love story between a boy and his car. Before we get into it, I do have to say I'm thinking of the Queen song, I'm in love with my car, right now. I wasn't thinking about it on my rewatch, but Yeah, I think that song is appropriate. I think somebody out there with a lot more skills than me should recut a trailer using that song. It totally fits. Anyway, so, Christine. My history with this movie, I've seen it many times over the years. I usually see it edited for TV because it seemed to be playing quite a bit, especially in October. The good thing is, outside of removing profanity and such, the movie didn't have to be edited down too much for TV. Since Christine is an R-rated film, but mostly because of profanity, I can't imagine that anything here would really go beyond a PG rating. Sure, there's lots of violence and such, but it's very mild overall, and that's especially surprising coming from John Carpenter. But I really don't think that detracts from the movie in any way. I don't think a movie needs to be rated R if it's a horror film. This isn't a super scary film, but there are a lot of scenes that are awesome in their execution. We'll get to some of those scenes a little bit later. The first thing that I noticed about this movie in my rewatch is that from the moment it starts, we don't get what we usually expect from a John Carpenter film. Usually we would get a fantastic John Carpenter synth score, yet here we're treated to the sound of Christine revving. We just hear the engine revving. The title of the film is even done differently than most John Carpenter films. It's shown as the movie logo instead of just the plain white text. And I'm not sure what font that is on the John Carpenter titles, but I really do love that. It's kind of iconic to me, and not seeing it open the way most John Carpenter films do, it's disappointing. But I can think of another one, The Thing. The Thing has a different opening with its movie title. So I guess it's not too far out of the norm here. Once we get through that title screen, we get treated to the usual text that we're familiar with with John Carpenter films. John Carpenter actually makes us work a little bit here for his traditional musical scores. When it does show up, it's kind of like an old friend to remind us that yes, they're there. I just really can't describe how much I look forward to the score in a John Carpenter film when I watch it. It just feels like an essential part of the experience, and not having it for about 30 or 40 minutes into the movie, it just seems weird to me. So as far as the character of Arnie himself, we do kind of feel for him. It doesn't make his change later in the film, it doesn't make it right, but we can understand it. His overprotective parents are making him kind of this social outcast. The bullies that attack him at school want to stab him with a switchblade. What did Arnie do to deserve this? I don't know. All we see is that he seems like, for the most part, a good kid, but he's a nerd in everybody's eyes by the way he dresses and everything, so I guess that means you should pick on him, right? No. His lone protector at school and in life is a jock who is everything that Arnie isn't. He's popular. He essentially gets any girl that he wants in school. I don't know the how and why that they're friends. I assume that maybe they were childhood friends and one just wound up becoming more popular than the other. There's actually a lot of good scenes in this movie. I really do love the scene where Christine repairs herself. The bullies that are picking on Arnie decide one day they're going to completely destroy his newly restored Christine. The car is beyond totaled, yet it winds up repairing itself. It's a pretty simple effect with how they actually did it. But even knowing how they were able to take a completely totaled car and make it brand new again, it doesn't ruin the movie magic. I love the fact that we're rooting for Christine to get her revenge at one point in the movie. All of the bullies that decided to beat up on Christine, well, she gets her revenge. She runs them over, she goes and... There's a really good standout scene where Christine is actually on fire, proceeds to chase down the bully Buddy, and, well, she runs him over and the body is just laying there burning. It's awesome too because I don't think Arnie is at the wheel at this point because the windows are blacked out. So I feel like it's Christine acting in pure rage and revenge for her being hurt by them. So the car Christine is alive. Is the car possessed? Is it demonic? Who knows? The movie never goes and shows why Christine is actually alive. They do establish that Christine is a woman and it's interesting with some of the things that they do in the movie. They seem to go at length to show that she is alive, she has emotions, she has feelings. We even get that from the very start of the movie. The one inspector seems to inappropriately touch Christine and she proceeds to slap his hand away in the only way that she would know how to do. I think this movie with the way it starts with the assembly line scene, it shows us exactly what we're getting ourselves in for. Somehow when I think about Christine being alive, I think of maximum overdrive. Maybe in some way there would be some kind of connection. But since she's the only one that's alive, I would imagine there's no connection, but I'd like to think there is. There's also a lot of fun moments using Christine's choice of music to more or less speak. The music is her voice. These various scenes where John Carpenter uses choice songs to not just accentuate the action that's going on screen, but instead give a little wink, nod, and laugh with the audience. The scene at the drive-in with Lee, Arnie's girlfriend, and when she's choking. Well, Christine locks Arnie out, and I like the fact that you have a weird glowing bright light inside the car. That's one of the only times we see something like that. I wish it would have been used a little bit more throughout the movie, but it really is a standout scene. I even love some of the supporting cast in this movie. A lot of the film has unknowns. But we do get actor Robert Prosky and Harry Dean Stanton in this film. One of the things that did make me wonder about the film is... Why does everybody hate the car that Arnie is driving? Why does everybody hate Christine? Is it the fact that he's bringing around a girl that no one approves of? I don't know, but it seems like everybody just hates that car. We're never given an actual reason. That's the only thing I can think of... And that's actually bringing me to one of the final things I want to talk about is the fact that this doesn't feel like a John Carpenter movie very much. It has elements of a John Carpenter film, but a lot of the usual things that he includes in his movies are not present here. The strange thing about it is I think this may be one of his best directed films as far as his shots. He has a lot of great moments in this movie, and really has an awesome eye for setting up different shots. A weird bit of trivia here is the fact that John Carpenter was originally approached to direct Cujo, but he did not direct Cujo because he said that it didn't interest him. Yet Christine did, maybe because it's the more challenging of the two films. Maybe he wanted to see if he could actually make this a believable movie. Well, I think he did. It's amazing that this film even went into production before the book was actually out, just based off of the popularity of Stephen King at the time. Of course, Stephen King is still wildly popular, but the 80s was a really good time where they were adapting a lot of his work. Overall, I think Christine is solid. It's an extremely solid movie. It's not necessarily the most scary film around, but it's definitely a fun movie that... Even though it doesn't have a lot of the John Carpenter themes of, like, anti-authority and everything, it still remains a well-directed film that is rightfully a part of the John Carpenter filmography, and I think this is another essential Stephen King adaptation. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam If you need to catch up on past episodes of either 31 Nights of Frights, you know, there's four years worth of horror film rundowns. Or if you need to catch up on my weekly podcast, Adam Analyzes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing and would like to reach out to me, you can do so at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Why not tell two friends for that matter? Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would write a five-star review at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as create new content. With that being said, be kind and good night. I'll see you back here tomorrow for night number 23.